Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Wednesday, September 28th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the Guardians lose in extra innings, 6-5 on Tuesday night, snapping a seven-game winning streak. Uh, they fall to the Tampa Bay Rays in a game that was started by Corey Kluber and Shane Bieber, uh, interrupted by about 23 minutes of rain, and when uh, they came back, the uh, the Rays were able to put uh, four runs up in the fourth inning on Bieber, uh, and and that uh, you know was was really all the offense uh, that they were able to produce against Bieber. But uh, it was enough to get him out of the game and and get them to the to extra innings. Yeah, I mean uh, you know extra innings is uh, like. Uh... Cleveland's, you know, that's a sweet spot for Cleveland, but they it didn't work out for uh, for the Guardians last night. They lose six to five and eleven. Um, but I thought, uh, you know, you know, Bieber didn't, except for the four run, you know, the four runs he gave up in in the fourth. He gives them six innings, and and Joe, I thought the bullpen was really good again. You know, until uh, you know Trevor Steffen had an off night in the eleventh. Yeah, after that, uh, after that fourth inning, the bullpen only surrendered one hit. Uh, unfortunately, it was the two-run double to Harold Ramirez, the the ex-Cleveland outfielder who uh, is, has found sort of found himself in Tampa Bay. Uh, it was a two-run double in the uh, top of the eleventh by Ramirez that that drove in the the two runs to put them up. Uh, a uh, uh, an infield hit by uh, Jose Ramirez that that scored. Uh, the automatic runner in the bottom of the 11th, uh, and, and then Ramirez stranded uh, in, in after that was was unable to score uh, to tie the game up again. But uh, again, we saw where you know Cleveland's offense had been rolling pretty much heading into that game, uh, and this was one of those uh, occasions where you know they got hits, they 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 were able to to produce traffic and get guys on base. They just didn't come up with the big hit when they needed him. They couldn't land a, a knockout blow per se against uh, uh, Kluber. And uh, when they had rallies going, when they were able to, to mount a comeback and, and score three runs to tie the game, they never uh, they never really put uh, multiple runs on the board in an inning uh, to to sort of uh, give themselves a cushion. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, they out hit uh, the Rays 14 to 7, doubled their number of hits, but they go four for 18 and with runners in scoring position, Joe, and they strand 14 runners. I mean, that's, you know, I don't know if that's a season high, but it's pretty darn close to a season high with 14 runners left on base. And uh, when Francona said after the game, like they, and as you uh, reiterated, they couldn't get a big hit. That was certainly the case last night because they did a pretty good job against Kluber. Four innings, eight hits, three runs. But, you know, again, you know, kind of Kluber wiggled out of it and uh, they just couldn't get that one hit that, you know, puts them up three, four, five runs. Yeah, I think uh, I think I saw Kluber throw a four pitch walk in there as well. I, I hadn't seen something like that in years. So uh, again, not not the not the Kluber we're used to seeing. Uh, more like the uh, more like a playoff Kluber of of recent years than necessarily a uh, uh, a you know first game starting uh, of a series you know vintage Kluber performance. But uh, the 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 Guardians bullpen really stepped up again. Uh, other than the the final inning when Trevor Steffen got uh, you know he issued a two out walk to Wander Franco and then Ramirez came up and, and was able to to deliver that uh, two run double. Uh, it was it was tough uh, to to watch because they were they were in position there uh, to win the game and just walk off a, a couple of times and couldn't come through. Uh, they did have uh, another three hit game from Stephen Kwan who who he kept rolling uh, i mean the the situation was there uh, a couple of times for for uh you know the 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 lead to write itself the reigning american league player of the week uh uh stephen kwan coming out there with three hits uh he's close to to catching kenny lofton for uh you know the the most hits by a, a cleveland rookie uh since 1992. yeah what two straight uh three hit games Last night he scores two runs. He knocks in a run, gets three hits, you know, three singles. Uh, he scores a run in the eleventh to bring them, you know, bring them them within one run. They and you know, obviously, you know, they end up short. But he's just been on a roll, Joe. It's just uh, it's really fun to watch him play. And uh, this is a guy that uh, you know he just uh, he just does what he can. You know, he he never seems to really try to do too much. He just you know he knows himself. He knows his swing, and he really, you know, kind of takes advantage of that. Yeah, and he's been doing it consistently all season. I had a conversation with somebody in the the press box about, oh, oh well, you know, Julio Rodriguez is the the runaway uh, rookie of the year winner, and I was like, you know, even Rodriguez with his numbers and his his eye popping stats and all that uh, hasn't really been as consistent as Quan has been all year. I think that's worth you know something. I, I really, uh, my argument was more for including Quan as a finalist, which I don't see a lot of national media, you know, doing in that Mercury of the Year race. But uh, I think just what he's done over the last couple of uh, days here uh, should really solidify his position as, among finalists for uh, the Rookie of the Year award. Yeah, we've talked about it, you know, in other podcasts. I mean, this guy's been consistent. He's posted, you know, almost every day. Rodriguez has been on the DL twice. Uh, you know, I think that that counts for something. That's that that means something. That's you know, you you baseball is built, 
you know, on, on a 162 game season and the ability to play as many games as you can. You know, it's no fault that Rodriguez got hurt, but, you know, I mean, it happens. And, you know, if you if you ask a manager what what kind of player he wants, you want a productive player that's going to be there 150 games a year. And, you know, Quan is certainly in line to do that. Yeah, that's 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 really been the uh, the separator in my mind is not just the the ability to post up, but the consistency in doing that as well. He he really hasn't, you know, dipped too low for too long. Uh, he's always been able to make corrections. I think I I went back and audited his game log. There's only been two or three times this season he's gone stretches of of three games or more with without a hit, which is you know impressive. And even in those games, he's still getting on base. So uh, you know, fun to watch that kind of stuff. We uh, we would be remiss if we did not mention uh, among the the bullpen efforts last night. I, I believe five relievers came in uh, for the Guardians, and uh, it, you know uh, only Stefan gave up a, a hit. The the rest of them all worked clean innings, and and one of those clean innings in particular was noteworthy because uh, Angel De Los Santos pitched an immaculate inning in the seventh, uh, only the fourth in Guardians franchise history. The first since Zach Plesac did it in 2020 at Detroit, uh, and and really he that the immaculate inning nine uh, three three outs on uh, three strikeouts, uh, nine pitches total, so uh, strike one, two, and three uh, all in a row to each batter, and uh, De Los Santos was untouchable in that inning. Uh, he Terry Francona said it was fun to watch him sort of bounce off the mound and and show a little emotion because this is a guy who for the most part he's a, he's a bit of a mystery this season he's the the one guy in that bullpen who we we really haven't talked to obviously there's a a, a language barrier there but but really he's just gone about his business under the radar and and been a a real big part of what the the guardians have done out there yeah just really an impressive inning you know he gets a call third strike on Bethancourt uh I mean, a swinging third strike on Bethancourt, call third strike on Siri, and uh, and uh, a, a swinging third strike on Walls. You know, this was a guy that um, you know, uh, you know, we we know a little bit about him. He he signed uh, he signed as a you know minor league free agent over the winter. One of the few guys that they brought to camp. Uh, pitched in the big leagues with Pittsburgh and and the Phillies last year. Uh, had been a starter for most of his career in the minors, and uh, they switched him. Uh, you know, I think he started pitching out of the pen last year for, uh, for Phillies and 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 the uh, Pirates. And um, you know, uh, Cleveland liked his arm. You know, he's a big, strong guy. He throws hard, and uh, they felt uh, you know that if they in spring training, if they could, you know, work his fastball up in the zone a little more, he could really be effective. Uh, he didn't make the club coming out of spring training. Just in uh, Francona has said, you know, in the past that if they had a normal spring, he probably would have made it. But he opened in, in Columbus, came up early and has been here. I think he's been up and down twice, probably. But, uh, you know, since he came back the second time, he's been a fixture in that bullpen, Joe. Yeah, and he, he gives them something. He, he he wasn't necessarily pitching in, you know, back end, high end leverage situations, but he gives them innings. He's he's solid enough to give them, uh, you know, chew up some some appearances when he's needed in, in games where 
you know, they're either trailing or they've, they've got a big enough lead where they don't have to worry about things. Uh, but he's, he's been getting more and more of that trust from uh, Francona and from the pitching staff to, to be able to work in games where, uh, where they, they need an, uh, you know, a, an, an out or a, an inning there uh, to get him through. Uh, just for him to do that, it, there are only 112 immaculate innings on record. Uh, there was a gap in Major League Baseball's bookkeeping of these these innings from 19, I think, 29 to 1952. Uh, they they didn't keep track of uh, immaculate innings because they didn't keep track of pitches uh, specific in each count. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily uh, like a new stat or a recent stat, but uh, since 1952, only 112 of these uh, innings, these kind of innings have, have happened. Uh, I think that's, uh, you know, saying something it's uh, you know, it's a rare feat. It's something Shane Bieber said, it's, it's hard to do because you have to miss bats. You have to use more than one pitch. You have to be effective in the strike zone and you have to be efficient. And that's exactly what, uh, De Los Santos did last night. He was efficient to, uh, you know, as efficient as you can be. Yeah, he threw all those pitches, um, you know, and he just, uh, you know, it, it happened so fast, too, Joe. It's just <laughs> like, you know, it was a blink of an eye and he was out of there. It was like, he goes, what just happened? And, uh, you know, it, it was fun. It, it, it was fun to watch. And uh, like you said, he he's kind of he doesn't show a lot of emotion, but he was kind of fired up after that. And he should have been. Well, and it was funny because after the game, uh, Andre Knott was talking to Tito after uh, his press conference, and he said uh, Tristan McKenzie sort of looked up when when he got to about the seventh pitch of the inning. Uh, it was like uh, McKenzie alerted like uh, like a police dog, like his ears perked up, and he, he sort of turned <laughs> and made eye contact, and it was like, oh, we all know what's going on here, and nobody said anything because nobody wanted to jinx it. But, uh, you know, every every pitcher in that dugout was aware, all the starters were at least, that what was going on and what was, you know, sort of on the table. Uh, you know, it, it, Zach Plesak, uh did it in Detroit. And, and Bieber said, you know, I was fortunate enough to be there to see him do that. Uh, fortunate enough to see De Los Santos do it. So, uh, you know, he they, they all want it. They all want uh, something like that, that sort of feather in their cap. It's got to be the the goal of a, a, an efficient pitcher, somebody who's you know Bieber's is known for something like that. That's got to be his goal every time, every inning out there, every time you get up and get down uh, for innings. It's uh, it's what they're aiming for when they go out there. Three pitches, you know, one out, three pitches, another out, and and finish the guy off with three more pitches. Yeah, that's the way you stay in the game for a long. You know, you 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 get to go deep into a game if you're going to keep doing that for sure. Yeah, it's uh, uh it, it, you know, just a, a lot of one of the one of those little things. Uh, you know, like it's like prop bets or, you know, just uh, fa- fantasy for it's something that to keep keep it interesting and keep these little type goals to go to, uh, inning by inning instead of uh, you know, just like the whole game. You set your sights on, okay, I'm going to get through this inning with, uh, you know, in three outs on three pitches each and, and, you know, whatever happens, we'll adjust from there. So, uh, immaculate inning, uh, fourth time in, in guardians franchise history, uh, Zach Plesak, uh, Carlos Carrasco in 2017 and Justin Masterson in 2014, the other instances 
of immaculate innings for the Guardians. So uh, congratulations to Angel De Los Santos for uh, for that one. Uh, we wanted to talk about roster construction and what the potential is for heading into the wild card round. Uh, they're at 28 on the roster right now, 14 pitchers, 14 position players. Uh, they have to get down to 26 uh, before they open the the wild card round uh, against whoever the opponent's going to be. Right now, it's uh, it looks like it could be Seattle, uh, could be Tampa Bay, or um, uh, it, it it could be Tampa Bay or Toronto, but uh, right now those those teams are, are sort of in an advantage position uh, to to face each other. Uh, where do you think the Guardians are going to look to to make moves? Uh, you know, to to cut down and get to that twenty six man number. Uh, you know, first and foremost, when when they have to. Well, you know, you it's a three game series. You know, if they advance past this wild card round, you know, you can re, uh, you know, you can recalculate your roster. Um, so, you know, I think I don't know. If, I, I can't see him carrying five starters, Joe. I don't think they'll need five starters. You know, you obviously got your three starters, you know, with Bieber, McKenzie and Quantrill. And then, you know, I would think maybe you add one either Savali or or uh, uh, police act to the to the pen. But. But, you know, I would think, you know, that's where one, you know, you, you might be able to uh, subtract one player from is that rotation. You're not going to carry five starters. And you've also got, you know, kind of you're looking at in position player wise, you've got Gabriel Arias and Tyler Freeman, both kind of utility guys filling, filling that role. So do you need two, two utility guys? That, that's that's my thought, at least. Right. And as far as uh, Arias and Freeman go. Uh, and, and I want to, obviously Arias really has only been up a few days and hasn't really had an opportunity. He's going to get more of an opportunity over these next, uh, eight games, but Freeman in his short time up here, uh, has, has actually produced at the plate and, you know, you know, he's, he's done the kinds of things that, that fit with this offense in terms of, uh, getting on base and putting the ball in play, not striking out and, you know, playing for the most part, pretty good defense as well. Uh, it's not like uh, Arius isn't capable of doing that, but we just haven't really seen it out of him in his, in his uh, appearances and at bats previous to this. Uh, you know, maybe that changes over the next week or so. But uh, really, I think the two of them are are in maybe direct competition or are are being looked at more, most closely for that that one spot. And and like you said, uh, if if you're going to the two guys who have been out of the rotation the most uh, being Zach Plesac and uh, Aaron Savali. I think another guy you could probably throw in there might be Cody Morris. Uh, you don't have to go to a fourth man uh, yet. Uh, and that's Maybe that's the division round. Maybe you put Morris back on for the division round if you keep the other two. But uh, I, I think because Morris can pitch out of the bullpen as well. Uh, Plesak having the the least amount of time to get ready and get himself right, I think that that might uh, you know not bode well for him if if, if he's not able to to uh, give them a few innings on Friday when he gets his first start uh, back off the injured list, uh, you know, and they've they've got to make a move to get him on the roster anyway, so maybe it's it's Morris before then anyhow. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I, and you know, it's a couple other names, maybe Brian Shaw and Eli Morgan. You know, I think I, I don't know. You know, I, I mean, Shaw is kind of his role has changed a little bit. You know, from the years past, but he's still you know an experienced guy. Uh, you know, he's been through this before, and uh, you know, I would think that would count for something. Morgan has pitched better. You know, after that great start, and then he kind of hit the skids for a while. He seems to have pitched better. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you if more, I mean, uh, Morgan, I was, I should say, and then right. maybe does Morris take one of those guys' spot? Would you, would you slide Morris into one of those guys' spots? And, you know, I think maybe that's a question they're also kicking around as well. Yeah, you've got to think about that. Uh, as far as Eli Morgan goes. Uh, he's, he's been, it's been a long road for him working back sort of into a, a position where he can be effective. Uh, I just don't know if he's a guy who Terry Francona might necessarily have a lot of trust and faith in at this point in the season. I mean, if you were asking me in, uh, June or July, if, if Eli Morgan was going to make this roster for the postseason, I would have said, definitely he's one, you know, one of the most efficient weapons out of the bullpen that Terry Francona was using at that time, but uh, times change over the course of the year and uh, Morgan hit a, a, a rough patch and has, has taken a long time to sort of work his way back into being effective. Uh, not saying that he can't be effective right now, just saying that his trust level might not be there where it needs to be in order to, to be on this roster. Uh, that's a, another good spot there. Uh, Shaw, I think there's the other thing that Shaw brings is that experience, and you're going to head into a, a playoff series with a guy with a, a bullpen full of, you know, young guys who haven't done it before. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna want somebody like that uh, to to sort of be a calming presence. I think Shaw brings that, and plus, you, you never really know. You you might be able to throw him out there for an inning in a desperate situation and and get uh, out of a out of a, a jam if you have to. Uh, Brian Shaw can still be effective. It's it's not like he's out not out there, you know, with a, a do not use, uh, uh, you know, label stuck on his forehead. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, we've seen him pitch out of some jams, especially going down the stretch here. I think he's really, really effective still over that one inning. Joe, I don't, I, when he has to go out for two innings, we've seen him kind of, you know, there's been, there's been a little struggle involved, but I like him over one inning. You know, another guy we were talking about, what, what about Kirk McCarty? How, you know, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if he's certainly – you know he's he's really had a kind of a, a great ride here as a as a left hander that can give you more than one inning. Yeah, crazy season for Kurt McCarty. Uh, you know, being DFA'd twice uh, by two different teams and finding his way back and and being effective in sort of a, a middle to long relief role where he's gone out a couple of times and given you three shutout innings in a in a game and and. Uh, Tito has said on more than one occasion, he's quote unquote, saved our bacon. So, uh, yeah, I think he also brings the, the aspect of being a lefty. Uh, you know, they've, they've got, uh, one of the, the most deadly left-handed weapons, uh, in, in, uh, in all of baseball right now back there with Sam Hench is the way he's been going. Uh, but you also might need, uh, might need to go to somebody earlier in a game and, and that might be McCarty. Uh, he's, he's been effective with his fastball. I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, McCarty might have a spot on this postseason roster, uh, just based on what he's been able to do lately. 
Yeah, especially maybe one of your starters gets, you know, has some problems early mm-hmm. and you're trying to keep the score close and, you know, in a three-game series, maybe you have to, maybe, you know, McCarty bridges that gap between the starter and the pen. All right, heading into uh, uh, tonight's game, it's Tristan McKenzie versus the debut of uh, the right-hander from Tampa Bay who's been on the uh, injured list all season, Tyler Glasnow. Uh, Glasnow, a premier pitcher when he's healthy. Uh, what do the Guardians need to do to get him out of the game early? I, I believe he'll be on a forty to fifty, uh, forty-five to fifty count uh, pitch pitch count um, in in this start. Yeah, boy, uh, that <laughs> that's a tough draw right there. If if Glasnow is is uh, you know in a groove. He is a dominant pitcher, but, you know, he's coming off of Tommy John. He's what? He's missed over a year of time. Uh, he's had some rehab starts, obviously. But, uh, you know, I would think you want to be patient with him. Uh, you know, see just see what where he's at, what, you know, what his control is like. And uh, if he makes a mistake, uh, you know, hammer it and try to, like you said, Joe, try to get him out of there early. You're going to, you know, he's going to be on a pitch count. But I would think his control would be would be something that uh, the Guardians hitters would zero in on and and just see you know just how, how many strikes he's going to throw. Yeah, uh, Stephen Kwan at the top of the lineup sees a lot of pitches. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez, uh, tough guys to strike out. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they can work Glasnow and try to get his pitch count up in those first couple of innings. Uh, but then uh, again, just like uh, just like Cleveland's bullpen, you get into Tampa's bullpen, and they've got a lot of guys they can throw at you who are are pretty effective. And we saw that last night uh, in in their win. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how their their approach to to Glass now uh, works and and how soon they're able to get into that uh, Tampa bullpen. We'll uh, bring it to you tonight from Progressive Field, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. <laughs>